passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I hold in my hand news so validating I have to leave the show with it. The JP poll drops on Tuesdays. This is Thursday. It's not JP poll Thursday, but I do need to take you back a bit. Washington beat Oregon in Husky Stadium. We were there about a month, month and a half ago. And afterwards, I dared to keep Oregon in front of Washington in the JP poll, which is a mechanism solely determined to rank teams or rate teams in order of neutral field favorability. That's it, and that's all. And if you don't care about that, you shouldn't care about the JP poll. Well, anyway, I had people push back and say, how could you still have Oregon ahead of Washington? And I said, well, Oregon would be favored over Washington. And they said, that's stupid. We just saw the game. Washington won. Anyway, the other night, I told you I got Washington outside the top 10, whereas I have Oregon number two right now, and I have like an eight-point gap between the teams. So on a neutral field, 
not only would I favor Oregon over a team that's beaten them already, it'd be by more than a touchdown. Some of you dare to call BS on that, like I'm guessing on this. Well, you know why I love FanDuel? You know why we partnered with FanDuel? FanDuel said, we'll solve this. We'll just put the line up right now. Available as of tonight for you to wager on, courtesy of FanDuel, Oregon, minus six and a half, hypothetical line against Washington. And that's if the game happens. So yes, friends, Oregon is laying nearly a touchdown against Washington on a neutral field because they're better than Washington. Now, if they lose the game, that's irrelevant, but the JP poll is not leading you astray, nor is Late Kick Live. We're jam-packed high atop a hectic downtown Nashville, Tennessee, Thursday, November 9th, the year of our Lord, 2023. I woke up this morning in New York City. I flew down here, mainly because I can't let Bradley down and Jesse and Colin, and we've got a lot to talk about. Even within this show, who knows? News could break on Michigan, and if it does, we'll touch on it. But we had some good old-fashioned audio leaks earlier today. Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin giving the business to one of his players. And we've got mental health woven into this whole thing. And we got just taking a two-week hiatus woven into it. All the while, Ole Miss is getting ready to play against Georgia. If none of this makes sense to you, I promise it will when I talk about that in a little while. Earmuff the kids when we play the soundbite we have, though. As I said, if something happens with Michigan, we'll talk about it. Upset alerts. I think we are teetering. I think we are on the precipice of a chaotic Saturday in college football. It is coming, and that's an immunity times 10. I think it is imminent. I think, I think the sport's going to get turned upside down Saturday. I'm going to try my best to peg where the upsets are going to happen. Cole Kublik's back tonight. He's made a mysterious reappearance. All that plus, I got a best bet the likes of which you never thought you'd see on this show. They're watching us in Missoula, Montana, Corvallis, Oregon, Gadsden, Alabama, and Canton, Michigan. Uh, we are headed up to State College, Pennsylvania tomorrow for Michigan-Penn State on Saturday, and therefore tomorrow night, Friday Night Lines will be brought to you live on Instagram Live, courtesy of FanDuel, somewhere in the Keystone State, in a hotel room. That's where I'll add my final best bets. There are like three or four games we're waiting online movement on. So you best make sure you're following on Instagram at Lake Kick Josh, and I will give you plenty of heads up and we'll do that thing as we normally do live tomorrow night. All right, let's dive into the show because we got a lot, and I mean a lot to get to. It's going to be a very, a very lengthy show tonight. So just settle in. Upset alerts, week 11. I need you to take this extra serious, like all caps, upset alert. It's going down this weekend. I got a feeling. Look at my hand. It's already shaking. It's nervous. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen in multiple places. The model also thinks we have just an imminent chaotic Saturday on tap. No favorite is safe this Saturday. No favorite is safe. Let's start with Utah at Washington. Washington is laying nine and a half. They're at home. They're hosting Utah. I've got a seven and a half. You know what? Let's bump it up. This is an eight. This is an 8 on the 1 to 10 scale of nervousness for me. A 1 to 10 upset alert scale. I'm putting an 8 on this game. Utah, you think they've got a poverty offense, and unbeknownst to most of the country, they've scored 30-plus in three of their last four games. Very quietly, Utah's kind of figured some stuff out, and Washington's defense is middle of the pack. If they start trading points and Utah gets physical with them, if Utah throws the old proverbial crowbar in the bicycle spokes offensively, for Washington, it could happen. Meemaw used to always tell me, 
people's minds do not work in all 22 fashion. They work in highlight fashion. So when the normal person, the casual out there, thinks about Washington, they can't help but think of highlights of Michael Penix just throwing bombs left and right, which I get. That's not a football game, though. Football game looks a little bit different, especially when these boys from Salt Lake City are playing. I think this is going to be a really close game. I had to pick the game. I picked Washington to win. I picked Utah to cover. I think it's going to be a one-possession game. I think it's going to be a four-quarter game. So that's an eight on the upset alert meter for me. I'm nervous. I'm nervous for you guys. Next up, I'm even more nervous for this small favorite. Oklahoma State's riding high, right? Yes. They have won several games in a row. They're one of the hottest teams in the country. As you know, they are one of my Big 12 championship game picks because we are totally ignoring the shift I made midseason. Midseason predictions don't count. They're going on the road this week after beating Oklahoma. They're going to play UCF. Gus Malzahn and them, they just snapped a multi-game losing streak, and they barely won last week, but they did, so credit where credit is due. You know what Vegas is telling you? You know what FanDuel is telling you when they say Oklahoma State minus two and a half at UCF? They're telling you there's not a ton of separation in these teams. And so I think about the role they've been on. Kansas State, they beat. Kansas, they beat. At West Virginia, they ran it up on the Mountaineers. They beat Cincy. They just beat Oklahoma. There's a do-down spot here. There's a let-down spot here. And there's also a Gus Malzahn special spot here. Malzahn and company need to win two of the next three to make a bowl. And um, I've watched him too many times come out of nowhere and spring a massive upset like this. This is an eight and a half. I got an eight and a half on the upset alert meter. Oklahoma State, this is a conference game, by the way. UCF's conference opponent now. I hope everyone realizes that. So we've got Texas and Oklahoma State as the lone one-loss teams in the Big 12. And then behind them, Kansas, Kansas State, both of whom play each other next week, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Iowa State, believe it or not, is still just a two-loss Big 12 team. Could be a logjam. If Oklahoma State loses, we, uh, we open the door for all kinds of craziness in the Big 12. Let's stay out there for just a second. Texas is playing TCU 12 and a half points. That is what the Longhorns are favored by. Quinn Ewers is back. Steve Sarkeesian has announced the starting quarterback will return for Texas, and yet I'm still not at ease. This is a five for me. TCU is eight and three against Texas in their time in the Big 12, and yet every year you figure, well, they'll, they'll handle them this year. And more often than not, they don't. And you're probably looking at this this year and saying, yeah, but I mean, Texas is a bona fide playoff contender. TCU's been bad all season. That's the reason you get nervous in weeks like these. Quinn Ewers coming back is not like a cure-all, okay? They, they weren't just disposing of teams left and right when he was starting. They were good, but I'm looking at this and I am thinking about years past, kind of like we talked about last week, Texas playing Kansas State. In years past, the moments that would have tripped Texas up. They got past one last week. This is another one. You got a team you're favored by double digits against on the road. And so, you know, odds makers are telling you you're more than two touchdowns better than them. And yet Josh Hoover, that quarterback for TCU, most of you probably haven't watched much of them lately. He's thrown for 350 plus in two of his three starts. So don't be surprised. I'm going to only put a five on the upset alert meter, but don't be surprised 
if this is a closer-than-expected game in the second half. We got one going down in Baton Rouge between Florida and LSU. LSU is favored by 13.5. Now, it's valid to be concerned about where LSU is mentally coming off the Alabama loss. (laughs) It's just as valid to wonder where Florida is mentally and physically. I mean, they just got beat by Arkansas. And so I don't question that there's a lot of heat on that coaching staff. There's a lot of pressure on that coaching staff. Florida still needs to win a game to become bowl eligible. And they've got LSU, Missouri, and Florida State. They'll be underdogs in all three of those games. And they're a double-digit dog here. I think this is a four. And the main reason I would be concerned is just I have no clue what kind of LSU I'm going to get. They're out of contention for their preseason goals. Now, Brian Kelly's very, very good at leading a program. So I don't expect them to check out. That's why I only make this a four. But crazier things have happened. And also, go back to the Big 12 for just a second. West Virginia is at Oklahoma. OU's favored by 13 and a half. I guarantee there's a ton of public money on West Virginia here. This one's a seven on the upset alert scale for me. Hat tip if I wore hats to uh, Drake Stoops out there for giving just a pay state material quality answer to someone asking him about whether games are, still have meaning or maybe they're meaningless. And uh, just go find the clip. I don't have time to play it for you tonight, but he's still bought in. If the rest of that locker room still bought in, they should take care of West Virginia. Who wants to be there, though? It's always a great unknown. Is the team still checked in mentally? If they are, a lot of this is a moot point. West Virginia needs to just pound the ball on the ground and find out the answer to that question. Because they got the number six rushing offense in the country. Oklahoma, very middle of the pack. I think they have about the 50th rated uh, run defense in the country. So I'm making this a seven. It's the kind of upset that happens on Upset Saturday. And so I'm making it a seven. This doesn't even really conclude the games I'm concerned about. It's just we normally put five games in that segment, so that's where I am. Where I will be Saturday is the sideline in Beaver Stadium for Michigan versus Penn State. And, oh, been looking so forward to this. I think a lot of people have, and now you've got the extra juice of, you know, people who otherwise wouldn't care tuning in because you got the drama. Remember, I got an update from the warehouse that you guys have bought a ton of these shirts already. Remember, we make one commemorative shirt per week per trip that we make on the Once Upon a Saturday tour. And we're headed to State College this Saturday. It's the only trip we'll make to Penn State this year. And the commemorative shirt to honor that trip this Saturday is available at PateStateMaterial.com. That thing will be available until Saturday and we'll never sell it again. So get them while you can. We've, we've got supply. Last year we ran out. We've got supply. And um, that's about all I can promise you. This next segment's wild. I need to take a sip of water for this one. I did not plan on talking about this. I didn't know this was going to be a thing today, but whew, it became one. <sighs> yeah, let's just dive into it. I was going to do, I was going to do a qualifier. <clears throat> we'll just dive into it. You remember when I told you, actually, Colin, that's not the way I want to start it. Here's the way I want to start it. There was some audio of Lane Kiffin that was leaked today that's both pretty crazy on the surface and then pretty crazy when you dig into it a little bit. You remember, oh, about a year ago, I did a segment on NIL, and I talked about how I personally don't have a problem with NIL, especially in the true spirit of NIL, but I said a lot of people championing NIL are not ready for the consequences. You can't just have NIL. 
You can't just all of a sudden treat guys as if they are paid employees and not expect a different kind of culture and different kind of environment to permeate college football. You may not be able to legally call them employees, but when they're getting paid, they're employees. They're going to be treated as such, even more so than they ever had before. And I thought that in due time, there were going to be examples of that extreme tough love or absent love and just just brutal truth and honesty that exist in the real world, maybe at your pace of employment, that was going to percolate throughout college athletics. And I didn't think a lot of people were ready for that. They just didn't know what they were asking for. With that in mind, let me tell you about a kid named DeSanto Rollins. He was a three-star defensive tackle in the 2020 recruiting cycle. Been pretty injury prone. He's at Ole Miss. He switched to scout teams, switched sides of the ball. He wasn't crazy about that. Uh, The coaching staff, as most coaching staffs do, not so subtly suggested maybe you should transfer. He didn't want to transfer. And so they put him over on the scout team on offense. He didn't like it. So he said, I'm taking a mental health break. And he disappeared for two weeks. And Lane Kiffin asked to meet with him. And that was on March 7th. And March 21st of this year, DeSanto Rollins finally shows back up when he was good and ready to. And that led to this audio. Roll it, Colin. If you would have come here, when you kept getting messages, the head coach wants to talk to you, and you saying, I'm not ready to talk to him. I wasn't. What f***ing world do you live in? I don't see why you got to be disrespectful, honestly. Get out of here. Go. Go. You're off the team. You're done. See ya. See ya. Because I'm... See ya. Go. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your f***ing rights about mental health. We can kick you off the team for not showing up. When the head coach asks to meet with you and you don't show up for weeks, okay, we can remove you from the team. It's called being the f***. It's called hiding behind sh- and not showing up to work. Uh, this was a calculated move. A lawsuit was filed. That's why that was recorded to begin with. It was all leading to an eventual lawsuit, as these things often are. And the reason you're hearing that audio today is not just because Ole Miss has a big game coming up against Georgia. That audio is courtesy of front office sports, by the way. They broke that story today. You're not just hearing that audio today because it was conveniently leaked right before Ole Miss's biggest game of the season or one of the biggest games of the season. You're hearing that audio today because a motion was filed by Ole Miss to dismiss a lawsuit that was filed on behalf of DeSanto Rollins alleging all sorts of different impropriety on the way he was treated by Ole Miss. They filed the motion to dismiss, and conveniently, nearly immediately, audio that he had secretly recorded during his meeting with Lane Kiffin was leaked. Now, it's legal in the state of Mississippi. It's a one-party consent state, so you can record whoever you want to. It doesn't mean it's not sketches all get out, but you can do it. Um, That was leaked to manufacture leverage. That was leaked to sort of manufacture an outrage campaign. And brother, it backfired fantastically, and I'm so glad it did. Because I was ready to come on this show, and I didn't care if the entire world had mounted up against Lane Kiffin. That is garbage. Like, what he had to deal with there is garbage. Now, I'm going to beat a lot of you to the punch. Because this really all centers around the precipice of mental health. The entire premise of DeSanto Rollins allegedly needing a two-week break was in the name of mental health. 
his fragile emotional state that you heard on that recording is uh, being presented under the auspices of mental health. I'm not here to diagnose him one way or the other. I don't know him. I've never met him before. But if you want to tell me, Josh, you got to take mental health seriously now. Depression and mental health is a real thing. You don't have to tell me that. I've talked about that on this show before. I've given you examples of people I know close to me in my personal life. And this isn't one of those, I know people with mental health so I can say whatever I want to about mental health things. It is to say, the more seriously you take something, the more you also need to call it out when it's used exactly as Lane Kiffin described as something to hide behind. It is my opinion that mental health here was used as something to hide behind, and the reason can be traced to the timing. And I also will virtually guarantee you this. If this report from Front Office Sports, and if that recording were to indicate that as soon as Lane Kiffin summoned him on March 7th, he showed up, I doubt you'd hear the tone Kiffin took. And that's even with them not wanting a kid on the team. I highly doubt that. You don't get to take two weeks off, man. You don't get to do that. They'd fire you as a volunteer. You go volunteer at a soup kitchen and don't show up for two weeks and you're gone. You're on scholarship in major college football. You don't get when things don't go your way to say, I don't like it here right now, but hold my spot for me now. I'll be back. I'll be back when I'm ready, though. He actually said, I just wasn't ready to meet with him. Yeah, he summoned me. The head coach here who runs the program, he did summon me. You know, the one who gives me the scholarship, he summoned me. I, I just wasn't ready, you know? So on my time, you're not on your time. When you're a scholarship athlete, you're not on your time. I need you to do me one favor. Please, for, for just the remainder of this segment, for like the next two or three minutes, can we please just be real with each other? It's just us. You're not speaking. You're not at a lectern or at a podium. You don't have to use all the focus grouped buzzwords and phrases. You don't have to sanitize things. We all get what's happening here. I think 95% of us get what's happening here. There is not a thing wrong with what Lane Kiffin said. You can tell me, well, he shouldn't use that language. You've never been in a locker room before. You've never been in a competitive environment before. I don't even have to endorse it. I'm just telling you that's par for the course. When you're an adult, and you don't do what you're supposed to do, that's par for the course. Frankly, it could have been a lot worse. So that's par for the course. And if anything, it was probably handled as delicately as one could expect it to be handled in that environment. And secondly, who out there gets away with that? Who, who out there, if everything else is valid, gets away with it? If everything about mental health is valid, if everything about depression is valid, even having checked those boxes, who gets away with that? We don't have any documentation of him raising those issues and Ole Miss saying, we don't care about your mental health. There's none of that. There was, you're here on scholarship, and in exchange, you provide us services. You provide us yourself, essentially, is what you do, and you didn't make yourself available. So, by the way, as of tonight, he's still on scholarship at Ole Miss. He just didn't on that football team, nor should he be. I will give you fair warning on this. Got a little worked up, as you can see earlier today, and still am. I'm going to give you fair warning on it. There are a lot of people in college athletics and elsewhere dealing with valid mental health concerns. They need to be taken seriously. And I think the best way to take them seriously is when someone tries to hide behind it for financial gain and someone tries to conveniently you know, time up a smear campaign, which is essentially what this boils down to, and tries to use it because they know it's like a safeguard and you're not allowed to criticize it. 
Criticize it. Criticize it. That's what, it, that's what needs to happen when someone does that. Most people, like I said, have never been in locker rooms, so they think that that goes way, way beyond the pale of how you're supposed to treat people and deal with people. You just heard, in the real world, what happens when an adult has responsibility in a highly competitive environment and they don't fulfill their end of the bargain. Blaine Kiffin doesn't fulfill his end of the bargain. He'll get fired. And they won't really care how they talk to him about it. He'll just get fired. It's happened before. They left the dude on the tarmac. Need I remind you? Secondly, causes are like oxygen. And so there are a lot of folks who cover sports in general and who cover this sport who don't really care about the sport. That's why you never really see them go too deep dive into the game itself. But they do rally around drama, soap opera, causes. That's like oxygen to these people. So you will see one or two of the usual casuals out there latch onto this and they'll get, they'll get a week's worth of traffic out of it. And number three, you're going to have to deal with the drive-by crowd too. People who could not tell you what city Ole Miss is located in, couldn't tell you the mascot of the school to save their lives, will become experts on this overnight. That's going to happen. It'll be delayed a little bit because this hasn't fully circulated out into the mainstream. It will. Kiffin and Ole Miss will have to deal with it. I am probably dealing with it for the last time on this show, and that's that. Academy Sports and Outdoors wants me to tell you that we have really, really good news. In fact, a double dose of really good news on this Thursday evening. Avon, Indiana. Anyone know where that is? Suburb, outskirts of Indianapolis. Christiansburg, Virginia. Pretty near Roanoke and Lynchburg. Both of you guys have new Academy Sports and Outdoors opening. Jesse, this weekend, right? It's this weekend. Yeah. So we got grand openings happening in Avon, Indiana and Christiansburg, Virginia. Uh, That's 9779 East US 36 in Avon. That is 2711 Market Street Northeast in Christiansburg. You guys know the drill. If you show up, purchase anything, and show me evidence, provide me evidence that you guys were there representing Pate State, representing Late Kick, I'm going to send out five Chalai of Supremacy. There are going to be five winners chosen at random, and you've got until Monday to provide me evidence that you were there. Academy Sports and Outdoors gets this kind of treatment from us because they literally make this show free of charge for you and always have. And we appreciate those guys uh, probably still more than they could know. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We got some games to break down. I still have not gotten to all the games this weekend. Now, I'm not going to take 10 minutes per game here, uh, but there are a couple that I wanted to touch on. And let me check something right quick. Jesse, we've got no breaking news on Michigan, right? All right, so Jesse's in there wearing out his little eye, Jess, trying to make sure we don't have news break in the show. But so far, so good. You know Miami plays FSU this weekend. No one's talking about it. FSU's favored by 14 and a half. The line's actually kind of floated all over the place, 13 and a half to 14 and a half. It's a Saturday 3.30 game on ABC. Okay, so the current FanDuel numbers, FSU minus 13 and a half. These guys have already clinched a spot in the ACC championship game. I'm going to put it to you like this. If FSU is a top four team, they will flex on Miami. If they are that, rivalry game or not, they will flex on Miami. It's time to be real about who you are. This time of year, you know, if, if you're starting to separate yourself, you don't play these games down to the wire. Now, there are a couple of factors that I'm looking for here. This is the best defense I think Florida State will have seen this year. I think it's the most athletic defense they will have seen this year. And I, I know they played Clemson. I like Miami's defensive personnel this year. But number nine versus the run, number 55 against the pass. And FSU probably getting Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman back. It's going to be tough now. It's going to be tough for Miami defensively. Jordan Travis has two or more total TDs in 16 straight games. That's among the best in the country. And as much as we're talking about Travis, I'm actually more focused on the other quarterback. Tyler Van Dyke, very up and down. 16 to 11 TD to INT ratio this year. I think Miami's got to fully commit to the ground game. Mark Fletcher ran it, I think, 23 times against NC State. I think they're going to ride him. Turnovers and being able to run the ball are going to be everything here. I mean, Miami's averaging, listen to this, averaging 3.2 turnovers per game in conference play. That is worst in FBS. 3.2 turnovers per game in conference play. So how are they going to handle quarterback? There are some rumblings in Miami circles that maybe you see Curry Brown. Emory Williams is down there. We've seen him this year. Maybe you see Brown. Maybe he gives FSU a different look. Struggled a little bit with mobile quarterbacks this year. Maybe, maybe that's the ticket. Maybe you have a package for him. However they do it, hold on to the ball. You saw what happened against Clemson when they don't turn the ball over. You also saw what happened against North Carolina when they do. This is a big recruiting game as well. Big, big recruiting game. I know people label Mario and, and Miami as the big recruiting power. FSU's got a class ranked above them right now albeit an incomplete class, but their class is ranked above them already in the 2024 cycle. So let's take a look at what the model thinks about this game. We got it as a really tight number. So FanDuel has FSU minus 13 and a half. We got FSU minus 13. I'm going to split the difference. I'm, I'm going to take Florida State to win. I actually do think Miami will play okay here. It's a Super Bowl. It's sort of a last-ditch effort for them. I think they're going to make it close. So I'll take Miami to cover. I will take FSU to win, though. Although, if it's an upset Saturday, just, just 
don't rule anything out. So I'm going to split the difference. Miami covers, FSU wins. Next up, oh, I thought this game was, I thought we were going to be at this game. Got to be real with you. About a month ago. And yet, I'll be about 3,000 miles away. USC travels to Oregon. 10.30 Eastern kick, by the way, on Fox. There's a price to pay for having that Trojan logo on the side of your helmet. And that is, does not matter how down you are. No one will ever feel sorry for you, and everyone will circle your game on their schedule. Oregon's rolling. They, um, they got the number one scoring offense in the country. USC is bringing the number 124 scoring defense into Autzen Stadium. Ducks are 26-1 and at home since 2019. I know Alex Grinch got fired, and you've got some change. And sometimes when there's coaching upheaval, I like to bet on that team. Sometimes when quarterbacks go down and a backup has to start, I like to bet on that team. That is not my approach with USC this week. Oregon averages 208 rush yards per game. USC in their last three have given up 247, 235, and 316 on the ground. It's important to note, if you feel like throwing the ball on them, they're also in the hundreds in pass defense. So could be a game where... The Oregon ground game gets going, and yet Bo Nix still pads his stats for the Heisman. If I were to make a case for USC, well, it would begin and end with Caleb Williams, basically. But Oregon did give up 316 passing yards against Washington. So there are plays to be made there. You have to have precision, and Caleb Williams does have that. Also, Texas Tech gave them some issues way earlier in the season with tempo. But you just you got to have an inspired performance on defense, too. I just don't know that they have the players to do that. Like, forget about the coaching change. I don't know that they have the players to execute that. USC's allowed sacks all year. Oregon top 15 sack unit in the country. Let's take a look, if we must, at what the model thinks about this game. FanDuel currently has this at Oregon minus 14 and a half. We moved on this the other night. We made this a best bet. I got Oregon winning the game by like three touchdowns or more. So Oregon minus 14 and a half is one of our Ramen Noodle Express best bets of the week. I will take the Ducks to win. I will take them to cover. I think they will fire on all cylinders this Saturday night. Current odds to win the Pac-12 championship. Oregon's number one. Washington's number two. USC still number three. It's just a really, really wide gap between the top two and the rest. They're watching us in Lufkin, Texas, Snellville, Georgia, and Bryan, Ohio. We sincerely appreciate that. Got one more game here to break down, and then I got a best bet to deliver you, and then Cole Kublik's going to stop on by. Alabama plays Kentucky Saturday in a game no one's talking about. I heard Saban on McAfee earlier today, he, even his wife doesn't really feel like talking about this game. It's a noon kickoff on ESPN. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw, I put a stat out a little while ago, and it said Nick Saban is 27-0 at Alabama in games that kick off 1230 Eastern or earlier. Unfortunately, that was inaccurate, and I got trashed, as I should, in the replies, because Saban lost to Sylvester Croom in Mississippi State in 2007, and that game kicked off at 11.30, Jefferson Pilot Special. Those who know, know. So we don't have that going for us. Saban's still pretty good in any time slot, especially the early game. So Kentucky. Kentucky, you would think, 15-point dog, 17-point dog. FanDuel has this line at 10 and a half. It's a big letdown spot, just generically for Alabama. 
So Kentucky, 22 versus the run, 82 versus the pass. If I had to guess, this is the kind of game where Bama probably starts a little bit slow, just because. And then, like we've seen them do before this year, hit some big plays through the air. Milrow has completed a pass of 40-plus in seven of eight games this year. I, I just, <clears throat> I wonder how Kentucky reverses their own offensive trends. Like, we can talk about Bama's offense. Kentucky, Devin Leary, the quarterback there, who I expected a lot more from than we've gotten this year, has been held under 160 passing yards four of his last five games. Ray Davis, the running back, started strong, and he's been held to 77.3 yards per carry and one touchdown in his last four. They're one and three in that stretch. They clearly need turnovers to go their way in this game. They need also one of those games where Bama's really penalized a lot, which, you know, has happened earlier this year, not so much lately. Is it a letdown spot? Is it like a 19 to 16 kind of game? Let's take a look at what the model thinks. The FanDuel numbers, Bama minus 10 and a half. This may surprise you. The model has it even smaller. We got Bama minus nine and a half. I just think that early season for both of these teams being baked in is not what either of them is now. Letdown spot or not, I think Bama's going to win the game. I think they'll end up covering, you know, not by 40. Uh, and, and it may be a dogfight early on. I think they'll end up winning and winning comfortably. And then they'll have what? Um, they play a local high school next week and then they'll go to Auburn for the Iron Bowl. And that's that. We don't really have anything to talk about with Michigan. So we made it through the whole show. Well, actually, the show's half over, but we've made it so far through the show and don't have anything to add. Here's the thing <clears throat> any second now, everyone thinks that. Jim Harbaugh is going to maybe get suspended by the Big Ten, and then they're going to immediately file for an injunction and, and restraining orders, word being used or phrase being used now, and somehow he'll be able to coach Saturday. All that's on the table, by the way. I just, I'd keep it glued. When this happens, if it happens, I'll have reaction. Make sure you're following on social, at Lake Kick Josh, because I got to fly tomorrow, and they do too, by the way, to the same place. So we'll see if anything breaks, but I'm watching. I hear rumblings. Yeah, I got, look, phones lighting up even as we speak. I got folks sending me stuff back channel. I just can't verify any of it, so we'll see. Um, I want you guys to make sure now, Friday Night Lions coming up tomorrow night, brought to you by these folks, FanDuel. You got to make sure you're following me on Instagram, at Lake Kick Josh. But also, I've been telling you about the promo that FanDuel's offering our viewers right now. You get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet on any money line that wins. Now, here's my advice to you. You heard the rule. You got to bet five bucks on a money line that wins. Just go find like a 25 or 30 point favorite and bet five bucks on the money line. You won't win much of anything, but you will because you get 150 bucks because that's the way the promo works. And I am nothing if not a finder of loopholes for you. Visit fanduel.com backslash CFB promotion for all the rules. You can find the link. In the description here, must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 
Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. And as I said, I'm going to be adding some more best bets tomorrow night on Friday Night Lines, but I'm going to add one right now, and it may very well surprise you. So, Colin, let's take a look at what we've had so far. We already hit Ball State plus 10.5, so that's, that's already just money won because we bet Tuesday Night Maxim. We got Pitt minus one. You had to get it earlier in the week. That, that number's not available anymore. That's why you got to listen to every show. Oregon minus 14.5. Texas Tech plus 3.5. Penn State plus five and a half. Yes, we are on them as a best bet. And check out what I'm adding to the menu tonight. One of the first times in recent memory, at least, rice. We are betting on food. I've gone from having food poisoning a week ago to betting on food this week. Rice is playing UTSA. They're getting 14 and a half points. And nothing makes sense anymore. So why not? Let's take Rice plus 14 and a half. So Rice, Penn State, Texas Tech, Pitt, we already had Ball State, and Oregon minus 14 and a half. Guess what? Guess who's back? He's back. Cole Cuts is back. Hey, scale of one to 10, how much have you missed me over the last couple of weeks? 11? Mm, I knew it. I told y'all. I told y'all. Look at how long that I face has been. You don't, you, last week. you don't even have smile wrinkles anymore. That's how much you've missed me. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself last week. I was like, man, I've got a whole day of the week freed up. I don't have to think about being on with Josh all day and prepare for it and the whole deal. Yeah. Here we are. We're back. My apologies. It's the only show in America that I have to make a war boat change to appear on. So. Oh, you do want to go public with that. Okay, so we'll go public. So right before we press play or record, as it were, you, uh, you had the good sense to come here in a full striped shirt, and I'm ready to go, you're ready to go, and producer Jesse's like, uh, hello, Cole, uh, hello, uh, I, I, I can't start at quarterback for Utah, but can you change your shirt anyway? And you said what? You caved. I did. Uh, you wanted me to do the show shirtless, and nobody wants that. I promise. Nobody in America wants to see that, so um, I decided to put another shirt on. Yeah, so, yes. I, I wanted the thumbnail. That's what I wanted. So I don't know if you've heard. But uh, Ole Miss, one of your favorite teams, Ole Miss plays Georgia this weekend. They got a shot. Like, what has to happen for this upset to go down? They need turnovers, first and foremost. Carson Beck hasn't done that much this year. Uh, They haven't put the ball on the ground a lot this year. They haven't given it back. But that's going to have to happen. I think Ole Miss is going to need extra possessions because Georgia's going to get stops. We know that. Um, With the weather going to be apparently what it's going to be, I'm kind of interested who that actually benefits more because – a lot of what Ole Miss does offensively requires change of direction. They're, they're going to play with your eyes a lot. You're going to get split zone where the tight end comes across away from the way that they're running it. Then they'll give you a lot of the motions, orbit and jet, just different things. So if you have to stop and then 
plant and then go the opposite direction. And they a lot of times they just need you to take that one step, and that's going to give you an advantage offensively. Maybe that does help Ole Miss a little bit with what they're going to do in the run game, different things of that nature. Obviously, it's not going to help them too much throwing the football. But I thought last week, Josh, Georgia, I thought Mike Bobo kind of said, hey, I think we need to win this game from the pocket instead of saying let's line up and just bludgeon this defense. And we know Missouri's defensive line pretty physical. So if Georgia has to win games that way and the Ole Miss D-line is not as physical as what Missouri brought to the table and Ole Miss needs to win the game that way, it's going to be interesting to see like who can offset that the most. I do think formationally, especially with what Caden Priestcorn offers, a little bit of tempo that Ole Miss is going to bring to the table. Uh, and then that ability to sort of toy with the eyes and force you to line up and maybe be in the wrong spots at different times, they have a chance to move the ball. It's just, are they going to move it as consistently as Georgia has a chance to move the football? And that's where I'm just not sure. And that's where Ole Miss is going to need a couple of turnovers to win this football game. You remember when Georgia went down to Auburn and we expected somewhat of a close game and we got ridiculed, we got mocked nationally, and then the close game happens. And then the rest of America said, ooh, if Auburn can run on them, Kentucky, they ran for half a mile on Florida. Certainly Kentucky's going to run it down their throat, and, and Kentucky did nothing against them. Uh, that was also something that you and I were on top of. Do you follow me on the idea that what actually gave Georgia trouble was Peyton Thorne, of all people, running the ball a little bit, had nearly 100, which led to Auburn having over 200 on the ground, and Ole Miss, stylistically, maybe being the closest to what they've seen since they saw that Auburn team. And I, I know Ole Miss is way up there in explosive play rate. They've had like 65 or something like that this year. Uh, mm -hmm. That right there, if the upset were to happen, I think I turn on my TV in the fourth quarter and, oh, man, Dart's got like 113 on the ground. What's happening? What say you? I just want you to keep telling me how right I am. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm soaking that in. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't hear that very often, so I was just enjoying that. Um, Here's the one thing that I have noticed about college football and the people who cover it this year, and more so maybe from a distance. What would you call like casual members of the media, like media casuals? Because we have a name for those yet. Um, yeah, but I, I would just I would just start week. mentioning actual names instead of giving them don't nicknames. Say the names. So, yeah. No, we don't. Those those. Hey, how about this? Like how about that? this? No. We'll call them. Those people with those columns, those people with those shows, that's in vogue now. Why get specific? Why actually attribute? Let's just call them people with shows. Go ahead. Those people with that credential. Um, so I think what we have forgotten this year is that matchups, styles, so to speak, are still important. Um, I'll give you a couple examples. Oregon, Utah was a great example of this. Um, that game was on during my game, so I didn't watch it live. And all I see is social media telling me about that game and how Oregon just bludgeoned Utah and beat them to death. And, oh, this Oregon team and what they can do to you. And I put the film on, and I see open receiver and wide open receiver and no pressure and open receiver. I'm not sure what Utah was attempting to accomplish from a coverage perspective in that game. And don't get me wrong, Oregon won the game in an impressive fashion it just wasn't a physically dominant fashion in which people wanted you to believe. I'll give you another example involving one of these two teams, Ole Miss and Auburn. Auburn fans were furious. They were calling my show in Birmingham that next week. We're running out of patience. We're done. We were close and couldn't finish the job. And I, the way that I saw it, because once again, didn't watch it live, went back and said, well, Lane and company, they took their foot off the gas on that one. That, was, that wasn't a... Let's just go out here and have a marathon of touchdowns and see if we can survive in the end like it was against LSU, a different style game that they had to play. Uh, they had to go out there and just kind of hold on and make sure they didn't do anything wrong. 
you know, with the road win in the SEC. And they were able to do that. And actually, when I had Ole Miss the next week, Lane sat there and told us that was the first game in my career that I did not go into it thinking I had to score 40 or 50 points mm. to win the game. That's very hard for me. I don't do that much. And that's an area of his growth, a place that I think he's gotten a lot better, is understanding just you can be different to actually win the game. And it's actually one of the things I think is impressive about Ole Miss this year is they have won games in different ways, not necessarily just the comfortable way that they would like most to be able to go out and win. So I think when you look stylistically at this game, it's going to have to be one that if Ole Miss just goes out there and plays good football and Georgia plays good football, you're still going to lean Georgia. They have more playmakers on offense. I know that sounds crazy, but when you just go top to bottom, they do have more guys, I think, that can make plays. Now, Ole Miss has a couple guys that are really special. I think they have the best running back in college football. Trey Harris is a monster. 50-50 balls, whatever. Breaking tackles, short throws, catch and run. He can do it all. But the way that that offense is designed, it's not just to go toe-to-toe with a team like Georgia. Now, you look at what Missouri did a little bit with the stretch play last week, especially in the second half of that game. Does that give you an idea that maybe you can be that to a certain extent? Possibly, but Ole Miss also doesn't rely on the zone scheme as much. So you look at the way some teams run the football and other teams run the football. That Kentucky-Florida game is a perfect example. You know, they they go out and the, the Florida edge defenders, it's like they didn't want to take on blocks that day. Well, guess what? If we're running counter and power at you, it's going to be a long day for you. There's not a soul that puts on a Georgia uniform that ain't ready to take on a puller that plays defense. I promise you, they headhunt those guys. Like, go put the Auburn film on. Those guys are literally turning their shoulders and sprinting into the backfield, not to make the tackle, to take on a pulling guard or tackle. There's, there's different ways that you play things and different ways that styles, you know, styles make fights. And this is not one that I think from a stylistic standpoint, Ole Miss can just go right at these guys and have a ton of success. I want to stay kind of close to in your backyard there. Here we were in August, and um, you and I had the audacity to talk about Alabama and, and speak fairly glowingly in regards to what we expected. Then the season got here. Mixed bag, to say the least. They lose to Texas. Uh, the South Florida game, I thought, was in many ways uglier than the Texas game. Some of the worst stuff I've seen from any Nick Saban team ever. And then... Lo and behold, you hit the fast forward button, and all of a sudden, I, what, 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 who was it? I think it was Urban Meyer. I turn on the internet, www.whatever.com, the other day, and he, I got him up there comparing Jalen Milrow to Percy Harvin. Hey, man, we got Percy Harvin in the sport this year. He just he plays quarterback for Alabama, and I'm like, all this in the same season. Well, it goes back to a theme you and I were talking about. Uh, I would say early October, and that is seasons are long. And so these talented rosters, it's not a guarantee that they'll ever figure it out, but the ones that are disproportionately more prone to figure it out are the ones who have a lot of depth and experience on their staff, a lot of depth and talent on their roster. If you just give them time, if they don't fade, if they don't lose too many games early, all of a sudden that scaling and performance can start to happen. I think I'm seeing it with Alabama. I was down there, so the LSU game, the Friday before, I'm walking out of their facility Missed you in the weight room, by the way. Walking out of the facility, Tommy Reese is walking in and talk to him. How you doing? How you feel? He said, I think we got some things figured out in the bye week. And then the next night, Milrow runs for like 19 touchdowns and looks like the player that everyone hoped he would look coming out of a fall camp. Um, how good do you think they are if we sliced the season off? So forget about what they look like in September. Just this point moving forward, how good do you think they are can they still fulfill on all that preseason um, hype 
as they called it, that we gave them? Absolutely, because number one, he is the ultimate X factor. You're going to have to defend him. And when you're forced to defend him the way that he can leave the pocket, it's going to open other things up. There were there were points in time, Josh, with this Alabama offense this year that we thought they were going to be ground and pound. There was another point in time, two weeks maybe after the South Florida game, that it looked like they were becoming a shot play offense. That, that was the only thing that was really going to work for them or be consistent for them offensively. I think you're starting to see all of it come together a little bit. I think what you're seeing with Alabama this year is a great example of how coaching can impact a team. As you said, over time, seasons are long. Um, we, we had Jalen on our show this morning, and I asked him, I said, something was different about your reads in that LSU game. Coming off the bye, I don't know what the indicator was. I don't know what you were coached to see because I saw multiple times where an edge defender came, and he deliberately decided to leave the pocket. I saw the pass rush pass him off the edge, and he immediately decided to leave the pocket. I also saw him stand in the pocket longer than he had been, and when he stepped up in the pocket, still looking to throw, then being decisive and decide to leave. One of those other times on man coverage. Now, I don't. I asked him. He didn't really clarify it. I don't expect him to say, oh, yeah, I've now been coached that when I see this, go ahead and go, because they're not going to be able to make a play on you. But it could be multiple things. Whatever it is, the comfort level that he has to be able to drop back, see things, and then leave – and then the, that Tommy Reese has with being able to call certain pass plays and him being able to go through his progressions, decide where he does or doesn't want to go, and then possibly get out of the pocket. And also, Tommy's done a good job mixing and matching things. Uh, the one the one touchdown run he had down towards the end zone to the left side, I mean, that's just a split zone quarterback read. And when that splitter comes across, he just arcs around the end instead of kicking him out. And he's able to reach that defender who hasn't seen that play much this year. And it's a walk-in for a touchdown. I know LSU's defense isn't great this year, but that was actually good scouting, good game planning by the Alabama offensive staff. So whatever they've, they've hammered into his brain about when to leave, how to leave, and to be confident in the pocket because he was still doing that makes him almost impossible to defend. And I think there's a couple aspects of this team that people don't give credit for. The physicality of the tight ends, how they can help in the pass game, in the run game, how those running backs operate in a north and south manner. I mean, if they're going to have to put a game away, I know it's not 140, 150 yards, but just watch the way those backs run late in games. They understand how to get north and south and run in a punishing manner. So I, I just think they've come a long way in understanding what they are, who they are. I think like, I'll give you another example that would be Tennessee. I think Tennessee knows exactly what they are right now. And at the beginning of the season, it was, well, can we be the team that throws the ball down the field 15, 20 times a game? Can we win that way? Well, now they know we've got an offensive line that will get after you. We have dynamic backs. We can still spread you out because our quarterback can spit it out to the perimeter faster than anybody. And we will add some quarterback run that has a little bit of physicality. All right, can you defend that? We'll find out. And they're comfortable being just that. I think Alabama now is more comfortable knowing we might not be able to pick people apart throwing it 40, 50 times a game. We might not want our offensive line to protect that way that many times. But we have tight ends that can help, backs that can get downhill, and a quarterback that we can design things for that you have to defend, and then can also break you down by leaving on his own, which is it's damn near impossible to defend. We've seen all these different players try to be spies in different defenses, whether it's Harold Perkins against Milrow, Harold Perkins against Florida State. All these different guys try it, and none of them are ever truly successful spying a quarterback that runs 22 miles an hour. You know the probably the most underrated stat on the stat sheet, which I'm pretending to hold in my hand right now from the LSU game, is everyone got focused as they should on the rushing numbers and Jalen Milrow especially 
he completed balls to eight different guys, and Burton didn't go off at all. Burton had like three catches for under 30 yards, and you would think he's got to go off for them to have any success in the passing game. So who knows, man? Maybe some of those names that used to have four stars next to their name in recruiting all of a sudden start to emerge. Here's another thing that's crazy. Normally when I'm on air and you're not here, you are calling me. As I'm talking to you, I literally just got a call from Russia. That's all it said, Russia. I'm going to let that one go to voicemail, and I will, I will use Google Translate later. I'll, I'll probably just text you what they said. Well, I, so you know, Kubelik is Croatian, yeah, not Russian. So that's, right. I don't think there's a tie in there. We, we figured that out a long time ago. Yeah, we, trust me. We had to vet you before we ever brought you on the show. It's a management thing. It's not my <laughs> thing. Um, I, know that, I know that you will be down in Baton Rouge. I'm going to talk to you about that in a second. But I got a big one I'm headed to this weekend, man. Michigan Penn State is being talked about nationally for a lot of off the field reasons. This could be one of the best games of the season on the field. And we've been waiting a long time to see Michigan play anything resembling a pulse. Like you and I could have a spirited back and forth right now about whether Rutgers or UNLV is their best win. And it's November. And so that's where we are right now with Michigan. Could be an elite team, could be a pretty good team that just hasn't had the cracks in their dam exposed. So. I talked about this the other night. We already did the preview video. I actually picked Penn State to win the game. Like, I feel like there is going to be a fairly big surprise sprung nationally on folks, and, and that'll be what it is if it goes down. How do you see this thing, though? Uh, the Rubik's Kubelik, by the way, uh, computer model that we have on Macro and Kubelik in the morning also picked Penn State. So you're right there with the nerds mm. on thinking you know, who's going to win that football game. I, I love the conversation on this game. There are a lot of different directions that you could go. I, I don't honestly really care about the off-the-field stuff. And for the people who are saying that, oh, that's going to that's gonna ramp Michigan up and it's us against the world. Folks, that started before the season. Yeah. Their head coach was suspended before the season actually kicked off. They've been thinking that way. It's okay. Now, they can keep dumping gas on that fire if they want, and that's fantastic. I just, I'm interested to hear kind of from you and hear your opinion on this. Why the majority of the conversation that I'm hearing nationally is about how athletic the Penn State front is, how deep the Penn State front is, how disruptive they are up front, which I agree with all of that. I actually think when I watch the Michigan offensive line, there's a chance they're better than they've been the last two years, which is scary to think about. They've been back-to-back Joe Moore award winners, but this group just operates in a little bit of a different fashion than I've seen in the past. They still average 3.8 yards per carry facing eight defenders in the box. The Michigan run game does. So I think they're going to find theirs no matter what. My question is, why does nobody talk about the other side of the ball? And I know Drew Auer had a nice game last week, and he's done some good things this season. Michigan has the number one defense in the country. And I've seen this defense be disruptive. I've seen them throw three down, four down, five down. I've seen their pressure packages that they throw at people. Why is there so little of a conversation about the Michigan defense and what the Michigan defense might be able to do to the Penn State offense. That's the part that I'm a little frustrated with. I've seen Josiah Stewart. I've seen these guys operate, Josh, and that's just the part of it that I look at and say, I, I don't hear a lot about it. I don't hear a ton of chatter as far as how good this Michigan defense is. I know the Penn State front can get after you. That's great, that's fine. But Penn State's going to have to manage the Michigan front as well, which is something I don't have full confidence they're going to be able to do Saturday morning, which is why I like Michigan to win the game. Saturday morning, central time, baby. Hey, I'm going to fill you in on a secret here. And I, I, you're going to be shocked by it, but I want you to hang with me. And it's not a theory, but I'm going to present it as one. 
I don't think a lot of people who cover the sport have watched Michigan play. What do you think about that? Because that's my answer think, to you. No, I think you're probably right. And they definitely haven't watched them play for four quarters. Yeah. So once it gets to 31-10 or you know, 24-0, okay, cool. They're, they're done with this one. Let's flip to the next one. Yeah, I would, I would agree for the most part. I would, I would argue, actually, maybe some of the more casual-minded Michigan fans haven't watched four full quarters of their team. Here's what I think. I think a lot of people have formulated in their mind or they have explained in their mind either Michigan's elite regardless or Michigan only looks like a superpower because of the inferiority of the competition they've played. Therefore, in their mind, they are explaining away all of the statistical dominance with the simple phrase, well, who have they played? They ain't played nobody, Cole. They ain't played nobody. And so Saturday, yes, you know, Saturday, Drew Aller in this, this team with an explosivity play rate in the 100s, all of a sudden going to drop a bomb on them. I don't expect that kind of game. Uh, wh- where I'm going with it and where the Rubik's Cubelic is probably going with this is there is sometimes this thing that happens, a phenomenon in college football, unlike the NFL, where you play pro competition every week, where some of these teams get way late in the season, like Michigan, and they haven't played quality competition, so they continue to dominate in, in shockingly thorough fashion. But because they continue to dominate, it's the seventh grader, third grader analogy we used the other day. A seventh grader keeps getting in fights with third graders and keeps winning as a seventh grader should. And you keep hyping the seventh grader up and all of a sudden he becomes an eighth grader in your mind, ninth grader, 10th grader. No, he's just a seventh grader that kept doing what he should against third graders. Not that we condone that kind of behavior on this show, but all of a sudden what could happen in that scenario is the dude finally just faces another seventh grader. And you get surprised that that other seventh grader goes toe-to-toe because you've built this kid up in your mind because all he's done is dominate all year. That's the that's kind of thing that could be in the cards. There's also a, a 35-10 to 10 Michigan win that's in the cards Saturday. I just love that when I think about Penn State, when they turn around, there's nothing but the edge of a cliff right now. Back's totally against the wall. The talk is still what it is on, on, um, on James Franklin which it has to be until he proves otherwise. Like, he's got to eventually get one of these big wins. And I love the fact that they're at home. I love the fact that last week, at least it looked like Mike Yurcich tried to incorporate more kids, Dante Cephas, for example, in that passing game. And I don't look at this matchup as one where you're going to need to necessarily drop 35 to win. If you got to drop 35, if you're Penn State, you already lost the game anyway. So if it gets into, if it gets into that territory, moot point. Um, 418 yards rushing for Michigan in this game last year. Penn State may sell 12 guys out into the box if they need to. There is no way they let them win doing that on them this year. If J.J. McCarthy makes Roman Wilson end up looking like Marvin Harrison, so be it. I don't think you're happy with it, but maybe you tip your cap, but you can't let them six and seven yard per carry you to death because that's a sure thing. That's a slam dunk. At least if they put it in the air, you may tip a ball, you may pick it off, and maybe a turnover goes a long way. I just think intangibles somehow, some way, come into play, and Penn State just ends up being good enough to win the game. That's where I was with it. Do you agree with your model, by the way? No, I think Michigan wins the game. If Penn State does what they've done all year, they're the best turnover team in the country. They're allowing, I think, 60 yards rushing per game. If, if they can do those things, yeah. then they can win the game. I just think based on how Michigan operates and where Michigan's strengths are, they won't do those things, and I think it'll be a long day for them offensively as well because of where that Michigan defense is, specifically up front. So, no, I, I disagree with the model, but the, you know, the, the model's not always right. I think it's about three games over 500 this year. Oh, wow. I, I'll have your people talk to my people in the uh, offseason. 
We'll get that thing fixed. We know how to do models around here. The great thing about getting, getting the model where it needs to be is you never have to shoulder blame anymore. You're only right. If you screw up, it is actually a kid, a coach, an official, or your model that screwed it up, and you're good. It's, it's a wonderful tool. It's like having a great lawyer at your disposal. You just feel like Michigan. Like you just, <laughs> It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we do. All right, so you're going to be at LSU this weekend, and you're going to do the Florida game down there. And I, I got like five people who asked me this and were backlogged, as you know, because we hadn't had to or haven't gotten to have you on. Let me phrase that the right way in a while. And the same folks keep asking the same things. And that is, will you please ask Kublik what actually goes on when they meet with coaches in advance of doing a game? How much does he actually get out of it? How much scoop does he get? How great are the stories? How much of it can he actually share with us? So I don't even know if that was a question or, a, or just a thought, but go. What's it like? What, what are those closed-door meetings actually like? It's great. Um, I will say that we have the advantage of we get a lot of the same coaches. Uh, so somebody like McElroy's crew who's doing Clemson Notre Dame one week, and then they're doing a, a, you know maybe a Big 12 game and then an SEC game and then a Pac-12 game, they don't get the frequency that we do. And so we've got some equity that's built up, which which leads to a lot of trust, which is much appreciated by us. And there there are certain guys that we've been around for a long time, like Pete Golding. We had him at Alabama a bunch, and now we've had him at Ole Miss a bunch. So that carries over. Once you get the trust of the coaches that you visit with and that you meet with, it's incredible uh, because they will take you inside their game plan, what they're intending to do, how they intend to do it, different guys that may line up in different places, guys that maybe have let them down just a little bit. and don't necessarily see a big role in this game coming up because of those styles that we talked about earlier. Injuries sometimes uh, very, very forward with us, very blunt with us, and they'll obviously ask us not to share it. Uh, some guys don't want to share it as much, and we've had certain guys tell us one thing, and then a different thing happens completely. Uh, a coach that we have referenced on this broadcast, one of the most egregious injury fouls, I guess I'll say, by doing a game ever was telling us that a quarterback was going to start when we specifically asked about him a couple of times. And the SID taps me on the shoulder about 30 seconds before we go on air. And he was like, yes, so it's us out. <laughs> and we had already built the open with that quarterback. So we're going to talk about that quarterback in the open. We got his highlights and his numbers. Just thinking, this is going to be really cool. They're going to love this. But it's, it's, it's great, man. Like, I, I was this past weekend, Zach Arnett, his crew is awesome. Love visiting with him. He's, if you love talking football, he's your guy. Mark Stoops, we sit down with, and it just turns into life. a 45-minute life conversation that has a lot to do with college football. I mean, it's just he's he's the best. And, you know, Liam Cohen, is a, he loves talking X's and O's, loves sitting down with him. Brad White is very detailed, but will tell us exactly what he's thinking and where he's going. I get a ton out of it because what it allows me to do is take this giant tunnel of information I feel like I have from watching these teams and really narrow it down to – Okay, I thought I needed to know how they're going to deal with that, that, and that. We can take that out and push it to the side. We need to focus on this and this because this is where this game is going to be won. And then obviously if there's a player or two that we were going to have an emphasis on, we might remove that as well. Some guys are funny. Some guys are serious. Uh, like Coach Saban's much more entertaining than anybody would ever think when you sit down and meet with him. Like Lane is the most honest, straightforward, no-filter coach. And probably, a lot of people probably don't find that difficult to believe. But, I mean, if you get him going on certain topics, it's he'll just, hey, I think this, I think this, I think this, I think this. Like Tom had a great question for Lane a couple weeks ago, and he asked him about the, the helmet communication because all the Michigan stuff's going on. 
And everyone would just think that Lane would love to have that because he would love to sit there and tell his quarterback, throw the dig, throw the out, now, throw it, snap the ball and throw it. And he told us straight up, he said, no, I don't want it. He said, and the main reason I don't want it is because I'm more confident in my abilities and the defensive coordinators, and I don't want them to be able to communicate with yeah. their guys. I, I think that's advantage me. And I, this is something that none of us would have ever thought he would say. We all thought all the offensive guys wanted this and would have loved to have gone there. So it's cool, man. We get a lot of stuff that we never use in our games, uh, and we get some stuff that we do use in our games. But it is, it is extremely valuable, and I'm always appreciative of those coaches taking that time to sit down with us. Do you ever get guys – who get in your ear, make sure it's off the record, et cetera, and start questioning why you've hyped one of their players so much. Because I've dealt with this like three <laughs> times this year alone with, in, in two cases, head coaches saying, hey, man, like I, I appreciate the, the positive spotlight that you're putting on our players, but why that one? Like this dude right here, and it's not just you, it's the, it's the entire infrastructure. You guys have way overhyped. I'm telling you, there is like a superstar player out there whose coach has point blank told me, not nearly the player. You guys have built him up to be a good player, but not nearly the transcendent All-American type player. Now, in other words, now this one over here, that's one no one talks about that you should be talking about. I love that. And it also leads to people questioning, why don't you talk about so-and-so more? And unbeknownst to them, it's because their own coach has said, you probably shouldn't talk about him so much. I haven't had anybody ask me that. I get I get more of the very real questions of, hey, when you were talking about that, like what were you seeing? Yeah. When you when when you when you talked about like our pressure packages and you said you didn't like this, why why did you say that? Uh, so kind of actually trying to get information and maybe just another set of eyes as to well, when you said we couldn't run to that side, what what did you mean by that? How how, how are you saying that? And so the cool part about it is I know a lot of people out there think that coaches have these giant egos and they think they know everything, but they're actually still trying to learn some things sometimes too. And like, I, I love another example. We go in there and we're talking to Lane and they had the little, I call it the lead toss. It's basically the, the toss play that people saw LSU run 7,200 times when Les Miles was there, except LSU, Ole Miss did it with a little motion and they run a toss, but it goes in between the B gaps, so in between the guard and tackle. And I was like, Lane, I haven't seen it all year. Uh, am I wrong in doing that? And he just started laughing. He's like, no, nah, we stole that from the Dolphins after they put 70 on somebody. <laughs> He's like, I figured, he said, if you scored 70, we put the film on, we're going to have to steal a couple things from that game. So we went and watched it, and that was one of the things that we took away we thought we could run, so we added it. So I, I kind of love the back and forth of seeing if I'm right, and then sometimes they ask me to see if they're right about what they were thinking or why they might be wrong. It's a good give and take sometimes, but it's um, – you always come out of there with a lot more information than you left. Yeah, you know, a lot of folks in this space have treated that show you do, like the Dolphins. Take stuff from it, mm. although don't give public credit. So since they won't do it, you've got to do it yourself. Where can people find you right now? Uh, Cube Show right here on YouTube. Please go subscribe. We are struggling with the subscribers. I thought we were going to take off. And uh, Josh did that immediately. And then now we've plummeted back down mm. into the doldrums. So at cube show 61 on youtube at cube show on twitter and instagram we try to get it out every sunday with the new travel schedule it can be really difficult a lot of games this weekend probably going to be tough we'll try to get it out sunday maybe monday you know what you need you need some clickbait because twitter clicks that's really what make you rich forget about youtube where there's an actual monetization structure no you need twitter clicks that's the ticket i've been reliably told this in the replies 
on the completely not-for-profit content that I put on Twitter. Twitter clicks. It's the way to go. You're welcome. That's free I've, advice. I've, 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 I've seen your examples of trying to get clicks by your Michigan takes on Twitter. Exactly. So yeah. You're doing great with that, by Case the way. Case in point. Oh, by the way, Oregon, number two team in the country right now, will be favored against Georgia. Cole Kublik of Cube Show. Go subscribe. Do, do, a, do a solid for humanity and go subscribe. Help this man out. Help him out. We appreciate it, as always, my friend. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of you for tuning in. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm about to head up to State College, Pennsylvania. Make sure you're following on Instagram. At Late Kick Josh, Friday Night Lines, presented by FanDuel, will come to you live from a hotel somewhere in Pennsylvania tomorrow night. And we got money to win. I've got several more best bets coming. We are not done for the week. you got to follow on Instagram, at Late Kick Josh. Uh, That's about all I got for this week. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Enjoy the games this weekend, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.